Now we come to our sermon text. Our sermon text tonight. Uh, there are two places, uh, and here is, uh, and you can see only one, and I added another one yeah, in the last minute, <laughs> uh, because that's helpful. Okay, our sermon text is from Mark, chapter 8, verses 27 through, through 30. Mark, chapter 8, verses 27 through 30. Uh, through 20. This is God's holy word. Let's pay attention. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say, Elijah, and others, one of the prophets, and he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And the next um, passage is from Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 to 17. It's the same story. Uh, but it was re uh, recorded by Matthew. Let me see. Okay. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we know that salvation belongs to you and it is your work. And we come to you, we are here because of your mercy and sovereignty and grace given to us first. And we are grateful for that. Let us know that so that we will be more and more grateful for the blessings we have now. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Our past tonight is a watershed of Jesus' ministry. We see something that Jesus never did before. He asked his disciples about his identity. Prior to this passage, Jesus never talks about his identity. Although Jesus' ministry has made him well known by many, he often draws himself away from the crowd on purpose. Sometimes he even commanded people not to tell others what they saw. There seemed to be a paradox between Jesus' mission to the world and his intentional hiddenness from the crowd. Did Jesus want to be known or did, did he not want to be known? There seems to be... So this, this support... We have seen the support for Jesus is wanting to be known, and that support is strong in the gospel books. Jesus came bringing the good news of God's kingdom. It is a message for all nations. He commands people to pay attention when he is preaching. 
we see the words of emphasis such as, listen, behold, beware. And also Christ himself went to as many places as he could, preached to as many as he could, and healed as many as he could. And he also performed numerous signs right in front of people. All of these things are done in public. And it is an undeniable fact that Jesus literally shows himself to the world through his ministry. As a result, Jesus was immediately recognized by people wherever he went. And that even happened among the Gentile areas. There's no doubt that everything Jesus did will surely bring people's attention. How could people not notice the man named Jesus? But at the same time, we see an equally strong support for Jesus not wanting to be known. Since the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus intentionally left the crowd right after he finished his preaching or miraculous works. In some cases, Jesus told the crowd not to spread the news of what he did. And the most surprising case is that when Jesus went to the region of Tyre, Sidon, he entered a house. And Mark told us the main reason Jesus entered the house is not wanting anyone to know. So the gospel account tells us in a clear way that Jesus is doing both, revealing himself to the crowd intentionally and hiding himself from the crowd intentionally. This sounds like a paradox, but it is not. This seemingly paradox is actually the truth of the kingdom of God. In other words, it is how the gospel works. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a sower going out to sow. Remember that? But there will be different results. The first three types of soil are those who hear but not understand, see but not perceive. And the fourth type of soil are those who hear and see and understand. So the same message of God is revealing to some and hidden to others. Jesus' ministry is played out in that pattern too. Different people who hear and see the same thing Jesus did have different responses. We see the people such as the Pharisees and the scribes, they reject Jesus and his message. And we see his disciples who have, who have seen many of Jesus' signs but do not understand Jesus. And some others such as the city Phoenician woman and Bartimaeus, the blind man, and the centurion, they believe that Jesus is the Lord, the Son of David, and the Son of God. Christ also sets this pattern for the church because his servant will not be greater than his master. People's response to our Lord and His message is exactly the same response the church today receives. When we preach the gospel, we tell people the gospel of Jesus. It is revealing to some and hidden to others. Some people reject, some people remain ignorant, 
And some others confess their sin and believe in Jesus. And profess that Christ, that Jesus is the Christ. Why is that? It is so because of the future of the kingdom of God. When Jesus first started his ministry, his first message is that the kingdom of God is near. The expression that the kingdom of God is near means that the kingdom of God is happening right now. Although it was only in the, uh, in the seed form at that moment when Jesus came out to preach. It does mean that the kingdom of God has come already. But to really grasp the message of the kingdom of God, the heart of the gospel, we must know Jesus. The announcer of the kingdom of God. In other words, the kingdom of God is inseparable from knowing Christ. That's why Jesus here, he was not asking what is the kingdom of God or what is truth, but was asking what do people say I am? This is the most important and critical question of all. Jesus asked the same question twice. He first asked what other people think who Jesus is. Then he asked what the disciples think who Jesus is. It shows us this is an important question. And also, this question is related to everyone. And this is also a very personal question. And everyone must answer it for, for himself. No one else can answer that question for you. No matter if your, 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 your father is a pastor, and that doesn't mean you know him. It doesn't matter that you were born in a Christian family and you automatically know Christ. You must answer that question yourself. So here's a question. If this is such an important question, why did not Jesus ask it? in the beginning of his ministry, especially after he performed some great miracles, right? And why did Jesus choose to ask this question at this point, when he was on his way to the villages of Syria, Philippi? Although Jesus did not ask this question prior to this passage, we have to know, and we must, know, we must see that Jesus has been living out this answer by his word and deed and ministry. Mark even uses this answer to be his opening verse. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So Mark gives us that question in the beginning. And everything else Mark wrote after that verse is to show us how true and trustworthy that statement is. Mark intentionally arranges the events of Jesus in such a manner that leads to this critical moment. Prior to our passage, the entire focus was put on Christ's miracles, which serve as the signs of the Messiah. Mark keeps building up that trajectory till the moment of our passage. So this is the moment that Mark has been building up all the time. So our passage 
So starting from chapter 8, that's our passage. Miracle is no longer the focus. Jesus says that no sign will be given to this generation except the sign of Jonah. What the sign of Jonah refers is the event of Christ's death and resurrection. It means that there will be fewer and fewer public miracles until the sign of Christ's death and resurrection at Jerusalem. So our passage is the starting point of that journey to Jerusalem. Jesus now is going to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. That's the area belongs to the tribe of Dan. It is historically the most northern tribe of Israel. From that, Christ will make his way down to the south, heading to Jerusalem to be arrested, to be crucified. And after three days, he will rise again from the dead. So you can see that Jesus' focus is on the cross starting from our passage. And he will not be as active as before. So we can say that Jesus asked this question at the peak of his ministry. This is the moment that everyone everywhere in the in the, uh, in the uh, in and surrounding the region of Galilee has either heard or seen the miracles of Jesus. And Jesus was no doubt the number one topic among the people by that time. We may think that people should have a right knowledge of who Jesus is because of all the all the signs they have seen from Christ. However, the reality is very disappointing. Christ asked the question, what who do people say that I am? There are several opinions about who Jesus is. Some say that Jesus is John, is John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others say one of the prophets. All these opinions can be boiled down to one answer. Jesus is no more than a prophet. He is just like one of them. So these answers are not completely wrong, as Jesus does execute the office of prophet. But these answers are definitely not satisfying. Something important is missing here. If Jesus had done nothing more than a prophet, it could be a fair comparison. But none of the prophets they mentioned has done anything even close to what Jesus did. Jesus said, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have sinned and hated both me and my father. John 14, 24. So Jesus made it clear that the things that he had done, no one else had done. It's just not a fair comparison. What Jesus says, as well as our as well as our passage, reveals a sad reality of all men. No matter what Jesus does, man can only see the humanity of Jesus. Namely, Jesus is just considered as a man, a messenger of God, like. John the Baptist, like Elijah, 
period. But we know Jesus is not only man, he is also son of, son of God. He's God incarnate. People are just being blind to the spiritual part of Jesus' work. They just miss the deity of Christ. This is so because of the spiritual condition of man. After Adam's fall, everyone is born in sin and alienated from God. They're just not able, they're just not able to have any interest in the spiritual things of God. Although they, man can see the things of God by the works of creation, man can even hear the gospel they are unable to honor God nor believe in Jesus due to their spiritual death. We call that the total depravity of man. And this is what we see in Jesus' first question and in people's answer. People just can't see Jesus as a Christ. If that's the case, who can believe in Jesus? Men are unable to believe in him. It sounds like a paradox, what, right? If men cannot believe in Jesus, why do we proclaim the gospel? Why do we preach the gospel? It sounds like a paradox. For men, it is impossible. And it is indeed a paradox. But for God, everything is possible. By God's grace alone, a, spiritual, a, spirit, a spiritually dead man can be enabled to see Jesus as the Son of God and can believe in Jesus. Look at verse 29. And Jesus asked his 12 disciples, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. This answer is essentially different from the answers that other people gave. Saying that Jesus is the Christ Peter is confessing that Jesus is the promised Son of God, the one who sits on the throne of David forever and will deliver his people from the hands of their enemies and bring them back to the kingdom of God. How did people know that Jesus is the Christ? Just a few days ago, these, two, these 12 disciples were not able to understand the miracles of the bread. Mark is particular about showing the doubt and disbelief of the twelve disciples. Jesus often rebuked the disciples for their little faith and the hardness of their heart. But all of a sudden, in here, Peter understands. He is enlightened to the truth and he is even able to believe and confess the truth. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The truth that is hidden to all other people. And he sees that. This change and alignment of Peter are beyond human comprehension. It is unexplainable, it's, it is unexplainable and mysterious in some way. We find the answer of this mysterious work that was happening here in Peter's heart in the Gospel of Matthew, the passage I added in the last minute, Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood 
has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus did praise, praise Peter for knowing him as the Christ. But Jesus made it very clear that Peter had no boasting in this. Peter was able to know was because the Father first revealed the truth to Peter. In other words, without the Father doing the, the, this revealing work, opening up Peter's eyes and bringing his, his back, bringing him back to life from his spiritual death, Peter just could not truly confess Jesus as the Christ. The only reason he can do that is because God first revealed to him. This is the core of the gospel. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It is not man doing and God's doing only. God is the one who saves us. After Adam's fall, man is born sinful, as I mentioned, and alienated from God since his birth. Man is so blind and dead in sin, and they are so blind dead to the things of God, just as Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you. This passage tells us that man is totally depraved so that he has no ability nor freedom to believe in Jesus as a Christ. And Jesus asked the question at this moment, which is the peak of his public ministry, to show us this core truth of the gospel. Jesus has already done some of the greatest and most amazing miracles among the people. And he has reached to almost every place of Israel. And he has been known by almost everyone, from the littlest to the greatest. So no moment of Jesus is more glorious like this moment in man's eyes. In other words, if man does not believe because of all these things, then he will not, he will he will still not when more signs are given. This is man's spiritual condition here, being so dead in sin that they are not able to understand and believe. So the gospel tells us, if a man can be saved, if a man can know Christ, Jesus is a Christ, is the Son of God, is the Savior, then it must be God's work and His work alone. Not because you are better than other people and not because you are smarter than other people, not because you have more understanding than other people. God begins that work of salvation and God is the one who will bring that work to completion. So we start from faith to faith. How does God do that? How does God work and begin that work? God did it by giving us Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yet Jesus did not come, this Son, this, this, this Christ did not come to be served, but to save sinners by dying a sinner's death on the cross. That's the reason that Jesus 
strictly charged his disciples to tell no one about him, because his mission on earth is marked by humiliation. So he deliberately avoid being exalted by people before his before he accomplishes the redemption on the cross. Because without the without the shed of blood, there will be no redemption for sinners. And only through the shedding of Christ's blood that God can forgive our sin and still be justice, or still be just, and give us His grace and mercy to believe in Jesus as a Christ, our Redeemer. So Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that one so that no one may boast. If God does not open man's eyes, change man's heart of stone to the heart of flesh, and work faith in man, no one will truly believe that Jesus is a Christ. Just as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So, Here's a question for you. Who do you think Jesus is? And how do you answer that? If you confess that Jesus is the Christ from a believing heart, then rejoice because it is God who has worked faith in you and made you alive to see this truth so that you can believe in Jesus and embrace him as he is offered in the gospel. If you are not sure if Jesus is the Christ or not, please keep learning the word of God. Please continue attending a good church that preaches the gospel. And ask God to give you faith so that you can truly know and believe. Let's give glory to our God and let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much from today's passage and you have told us very, very clearly that we are dead in sin and we have no boasting about our situation. We, we are now in a state of blessedness and grace. It is not our own doing. It is not because we are good, but because of your mercy and a grace, and because of, of Christ who died for us so that God can give us this grace freely. And we are grateful for that, Lord, and we thank you for that work in us. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Let us now respond to God's word by singing to 